Heavenly Father, Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we've come today to be in your presence. Let from your high place your spirit just flow down and pour upon us. Now, Lord, that when we leave here, we are not the same people that walk into the door. We're refreshed, we're renewed, we are alive. Upstairs taking care of that. But as we turn there in our Bibles, as we get ready to, to be in God's Word, it seems that we live in a culture today that if you're a hardworking person, you save your money, and you do well, you're a bad person, are you not? Well, the scripture for today is not going to help that series any on that. Uh, so let's go ahead and read that, and we'll, we'll run on with it from there. Uh, verse 19, chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fair uh, every day. But there was a certain be uh, beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he, he lifted his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he, then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And he sent Lazarus, and sent Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that your life, in your lifetime you are received your good things, and, like, uh, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides, all these between us, and there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would... Send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that they may testify to them, least that they also come to this place of torment. Abraham, Abraham said to him, They have Moses the prophets. Let him hear them. And he said, No father, Ab no father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through the rise from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Boy, you read this story, and it just seems like it's bad to be rich, or, or work hard and have nice things. And I have seen the people on the other side of the spectrum, of, of the, which we don't want to get into politics here, they use this scripture and other scriptures for that very purpose. Uh, and that is not what the scripture is about. It's not about being rich or poor. Because if it is, and I don't know, as I look out in the crowd of people, I don't see anybody filthy rich here. If you are, come see me after the service. I sure, I sure like to talk to you. Uh, but so besides that, I don't see anybody filthy rich here. Most of us here are working steps that we go to work over every day, and we try to earn a little money, we try to pay our bills, we try to give a little bit, and, and we're just trying to do right. Is that correct? That's what most of us are doing. But if you want to talk about rich, the poorest, some of the poorest people in America have more access to food, health care, uh, and the basic needs than most of the rest of the world has. So if that was the case about being rich and poor, if that was what the story was about, we'd all be in trouble. But that, to me, that's not what the story is about. The story is about living for God. And can you hear God's voice in your life? To me, that's what the story is about. Because at the very end of the story, he sits there and says, but he, but, but he said to him, if they did not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Who rose from the dead? Jesus. You know, there's some people that are just are so hard-hearted that they're not going to get through the story. They're just not going to get that story. But the, the story is about that our lives matter and what we do. Everything, and let me repeat that, everything you have comes from God. All good gifts come from God. And I have talked to people in the church. Oh, preacher, that money's mine. I, I, got up, I, I worked, went with the college. I paid for my own college. I worked with college. I earned my, my, I earned my degree. And I got my job. And I have earned everything that I have. It's not God, it's mine. Oh, it's a dangerous place to live, people. Dangerous place to live. Because who gave you the ability to get up? Who gave you the desire to drive? Who gave you all of this? It's God. You need to recognize that God is in our life. And God wants our lives to matter to other people. Why is Cairo's ministry so important? Once you go to Kairos, and I do recommend everybody, if you're healthy enough and, and you go, it's not for everybody, but I'm going to recommend trying to go once because once you go, you'll be addicted to it. You'll be addicted to Kairos because you see the, you really see life transformed in a short weekend. Life just transformed in a short weekend. But so we're going along there, our lives matter, and what we do with what God gives to us matters. I used to uh, be in at New Harvest Church. I had this lady show up, and uh, her and her daughter come to church, and she made these crazy things. Can you get friends with my husband? And, uh, and you know, he didn't come to church. My son doesn't come to church. Can you do that? I said, well, I'll try. And we had some sound system issues. This guy does a low voltage electrician type stuff. And so I called him up and said, hey, come and help us. And it was, happened to be this lady's birthday was coming up. And I invited him. I said, we're going to do something special for your wife's birthday. And we'd really like it if you were there. 
And so he goes, oh, find out we're good for that lady would never ask me to be friends with her husband again. Uh, <laughs> because we've become best friends. We've become really good friends. Rode motorcycles together the whole, the whole nine yards later on. We corrupted her. I corrupted him well. But we're there one day, and he's sitting there believing God. He's sitting there believing God. But really, he was mad at God because God, his dad died on the day or the day after that he was born. And, and so he was mad at God in Vietnam. His dad died in Vietnam. And so we go along there, and it goes along, and so I got him coming to Wednesday night. And we had a pretty good crowd at New Harvest on Wednesday night. And so sometimes we would play Stump the Preacher. But we play that every day at my house, but other times, uh, uh, other times we go to church too. And so he asked this question. This guy was, now let me back up on this individual. He was a hard-working individual, hard-working. He provided well for his family. He got up early in the morning, he went to work, he stayed late. Whatever his family needed, they, had a, they, needed, they didn't want him for anything because he was a hard-working guy. But he liked to share about how much he made. There was a lot of checks when you have business, you got to check stuff. Look what I made this year, look what I made this year, look what I made this year. And this was about this time of year, he made close to 100, maybe a little over 100,000 a year. So he asked this question to me. <clears throat> Preacher, if there is a God why is there hungry in the world? Can anybody answer that question? I have the answer. Does anybody else have the answer? What? What have you done today to feed the hungry? You make 100,000 plus a year, and what did you do to help the poor? What did you do to help the oppressed? What did you do? There's the answer, people. Mother Teresa, I love Mother Teresa, and I love Mother Teresa's stories. I got her book in my office just about her life. Mother Teresa says that there is enough, there is enough wealth, there is enough uh, food, there is enough building supplies for shelters, that there, no person in the world should be hungry, no person should be without some kind of shelter, and without some kind of medical, basic medical needs. There is enough. But you know what the problem is? Other people has decided it is not cost effective. It is no longer cost effective to go to Guatemala. It's no longer cost effective to go to South Africa. It's no longer cost effective, or we don't like those people, or those people over there. No, we don't want to go to prison, because those people did bad things, and, and so therefore they deserve what they're getting, and, and so we don't need to go to prison anymore. But the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear that how we live our lives matter. The Bible is clear that, you know, you cannot, let me, but let me bring this up. Let me bring this up real quick. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven. Salvation is free. Salvation is a free gift from God. But much of the so I do a lot of works righteousness, but uh, but you gotta understand where that comes from. And James it tells us, James tells us, faith without works is what? Dead. If, if you're not doing something, when I joined, I use these two terms here, the two different things. When I joined the military and I raised my little right hand and they gave me a free set of boots and it's nice, then it was a camouflage uniform, it was a green uniform or a blue uniform. They expected something from me. I was becoming GI, general issue. Uh, just you know, expect to work from me. When we get married, and we stand there before God and the, and the congregation, and we get married, 
Isn't there expectations from the husband and the wife in marriage? The Bible even clearly says so. You cannot get married and walk away and just say, well, I'm married now and life is good. It's a husband and wife that to come together to be one. And that's the, really the analogy that God has. All of a sudden, as married men, don't raise your hand, but for as married men, how many of us have done things when we were single that we said we would never do? I mean, how many of us? And I remember my dad, I share this story quite a bit. My dad was bigger than me, a little bit shorter, big, mean-looking guy, had a flat-top haircut. And you don't do this as much anymore. It seemed like at Christmas time and then Easter time, and then before school, we'd go clothes shopping. We'd go to JCPenney's, we'd go to Sears, and all those. We'd go to the mall. And my mom would be trying on for Christmas dresses or Easter dresses or something like that. And my dad, this big, mean, scary-looking guy, would stand there and hold her purse. And I remember thinking to myself, because I never verbalized it because I was worried about God. <laughs> slapping me down. Uh, man, I'll never do that. Never. I don't care what that woman does for me. I'll never do that. But you know what? We'll go somewhere down. Tammy's going to say, hold my purse. If I know we're going to go try and close, Tammy's going to try and close. I try to make sure I got a belt and shoes that match the purse that she's got. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm trying to coordinate. And I don't, if there's other guys there, of course, like Easter time and stuff, and there's still some people there. Hey, buddy, uh, when you were coming with your wife, uh, I'll start talking to him. No lie. Uh, that purse doesn't go with those shoes. Next time, can you coordinate with your wife before you go? And I just make fun of it. But, you know, there's the things that we're doing there. There's the things that we're doing because out of the love and respect we have for our spouse, for our husband or our wife. I got to ask wives, of course, don't raise your hand, uh, how many of you have done stuff that you swore you would never do for your husband? And so we'll just, we'll just keep it there. Uh, we, we've all done it. And that's the way it is with God. When we said, Lord, Lord, then, oh, I need you to be my Lord. I need you in my life. We're expected, not commanded, not demanded, but God wants something from us. He wants, number one, a relationship. And in that relationship, he's going to tell us, I need you. To go pray with that. Heather, we talked we talk yesterday, somebody showed up in Heather's life yesterday. I need you to help this person. I need you to go pray with How many people have been here, because I don't have this problem, but some of y'all may. How many people have been here at the gas station and you just felt the person next to you that God wants you to talk to them? And yet you're like, no, 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 no. That person ain't my father. That person's this, that person's that, that person. How many of us judge the person and we never share? And we just got in the car and drove off. And uh, to me, I don't have that problem. God says when he comes to speak to you, hey, how's it going? God says when he comes to say hi to you. <laughs> they worry about me at the gas station. They're like, uh, <laughs> don't come here again, please. Uh, but because, you know what, I've been around and I've, and I've served God long enough that I can usually tell when he's speaking. And so therefore, I've become more obedient to that. And of course, I'm kind of an extrovert anyway, so that's not really a big problem with me. But God wants us in people's lives. How are people saved? How was you saved? How did you come to the loving knowledge of God? That same crazy guy that I was talking about, we took him to Epworth. He wasn't saved yet. We took him to Epworth to a men's retreat. This is just a funny story. But we had another guy in the church that was just wackadoo. 
So I got to sign, because I was got to set it all up. I signed roommates. And that individual comes to me. Why did you put me in his room? I said, well, if you were saved, I'd swap rooms with you. Except Jesus now, and I'll swap rooms. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> so, uh, and it, it took him a couple more weeks to accept Jesus. But after that experience, he went, I'm not going back to that guy again. <laughs> but, so, but, but God wants a relationship with us. And too often, and I know I am kind of more this way, because the military mindset behind me and stuff, sometimes I'm a more of a rigid person. You know, I like things... You know, God wants us to have fun. God wants us to interact with each other. We are to be to live together in communion. We're to live together in communion. We're to lift each other up. We're to help each other. So come back to the salvation story. How did you get saved? I mean, a lot of us to our families and friends, you know, we got drugged to church, we had a drug problem, we got drugged to church by our parents or something. But most of the times our real salvation comes from those around us. And so God uses you and me to save the world. The world is to be redeemed through us, through the body of Christ. And, and so the question is, it's not about rich and poor. It's not about rich and poor. But let me tell you, as a chaplain, I'm a chaplain at South Georgia Medical Center, volunteer chaplain. Doesn't pay a whole lot. It's volunteer chaplain. I do it once or twice a month. Uh, and I spend the night there. I spend one whole night there. And, I, and this other guy, uh, he's from another Methodist church, we hold the record. Uh, let me just say this real quick. When you're getting ready to go to the mercy room, call ahead and see if he's the chaplain. Because me and this other guy hold the record. No lie, when we come, we've got to make rounds. When we first get in, and we talk to all the nurses and see what's going on. When they see me or this other guy, it's going to be a busy night. Go ahead and call the corner. Go ahead and call the corner. Uh, but I have been in the rooms. Let me just tell you two experiences real quick. Death is final. For this life, this life it is, death is final. But as we see with the story, death is not final. You can make no more decisions. When I say it's final, you can make no more decisions once you die. Everything else is from this, all the decisions you made in this life will affect the life to come. And I've been in rooms, and this has become a more of a common theme. I've been in rooms where the people that have no church family, they're, they're fixing to die, so they call the chaplain, the family's there, and, and so there we are, and I'll ask them, we're in this moment of, this right in between transition moment, I'll ask them, you have a church, can I call your pastor? Oh, we don't have a church, we don't believe in that. <laughs> and when the person dies, it feels like there is a void, like a vacuum of hope has just been sucked out of them. But when those who are in Christ die, sadness is there. They've lost a loved one. But also joy and hope is there too. Because we know, we know from this story here, there is a life after death. And the question is, and I think it's all the Baptist here, where are you going? Where are you going? Have you lived your life in such a way that you please and honor God. And the will of God. What is the will of God? Uh, James, I, I promised this other person I would say this today. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 27 says, right above that it says, you know, bridle your tongue, da 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 all this other stuff. And so people use that uh, there. But the whole thing is, bridle your tongue, don't brag about yourself. Uh, you know, I didn't brag about myself making that bulletin, bringing Tammy to make that bulletin today. Uh, but so on that is, the pure, undefiled religion 
before God and the Father is visit the orphans and the widows. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. I won't read that whole thing there. But this is what they call the least of these. It's two sets of groups. It's, it's the sheep and the goats. Good people, bad people. Is that any indication here by chance? Never mind. Uh, you'll catch that later. Uh, but the sheep and the goats, and God's explained, this is Revelation 20, really, it's, in, it's massive, but it's also the Revelation 20 picture. He's going to explain to you why you're going to heaven and you're not. And the sister says, well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. What you did to the least of these, you did for me. Therefore, enter my kingdom, enter my righteousness, well done, my faithful servant. What I have given to you, you have used wisely on those that have not. But for you others, when I was hungry, you did not feed me. When I was naked, you did not close me. Uh, when I was thirsty, you got there. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was down and outcast, you just kept on walking by me. I've added that part. But when I was, when I was that person that needed help, you and I gave you all the resources to help me, and you didn't help me. Therefore, go to hell and burn for everlasting fire. It's that clear, people. It's that simple. What you do with your life matters in the life. But I also got great news for us. I got great news. I'm a doom, doom and gloom guy, the, the, the fire and brimstone preacher. There's a the great loving God. If you have not done well up to this point with your life, and you recognize God as your Lord and Savior, you can repent today, and he will forgive you. You can start afresh today. That's how much love God has for us. And Peter, 2 Peter, tells us, that he wants no person to perish without knowing the love of God. So my question is, if you know the love of God, doing the things for the others is not hard. It may take you out of your comfort zone. God loves to do that. We'll have another story about that later. Uh, but God loves to take you out of your comfort zone. But the deal is, here's, here's the question I have, just an earnest, honest question with you is, as we close up, that would be the music people's key there, as we close up, what are you doing with what God has entrusted you with? Look at what you earn. Is it spent mostly on you? Or do you share with others? Through the giving of the tithes of the church, through other, other great volunteer programs, other things that help others. Does your life reflect that God is your Lord and Master? Let us pray. Dear Lord, a Heavenly Father, Lord, I know so many times with this, this right here that I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not heard the cry of the needy. I have rebelled against your love. Lord, and today I come again to say I'm sorry. And Lord, as the pastor of the church, if anybody else's prayer is with me, I come, just as Moses come before you and intercede and, and ask for forgiveness. Lord, as we hear our last song, fill our hearts and let us walk out of here in a right relationship with you. Amen.
Where is your trust? Where have you built your foundation? Are you living a life for the Lord out of the love that he has for you? Repent, if not. Dear Lord, a Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves as Lord as we just come here. But what wonderful music, songs, and but all that's been here, your presence has been felt among us. Lord, as we leave to go to Sunday school or to go back out into the world, wherever we head next, let us not leave this experience behind. Let us take you and our love for others with us everywhere we go. And in doing so, sometimes we may entertain angels. And Lord, we ask you to watch over us, walk before us, walk behind us. Let your word and your spirit seal us until we come back together again. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, the whole congregation said, Amen.